Mike Wilkerson from the 24 Podcast here. There's only one place on the internet I go for 24 Legacy fans. It's your perfect after-show experience when listening to the 24podcast.com effort. 24legacyfans.com. That's 24legacyfans.com. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The interworkings of traveling through time are complex. While we all have many days, what if you were able to move through them, cataloging your experiences, interactions, and more as the not-yet-recorded events happen as you barrel towards tomorrow's doom? There's a lot to unpack inside this most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 8, The Last Day. Let's get after it during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, it's great to have you again. Time to jump into some quick housekeeping. The Free Field Training Podcast. Tommy Model over at Free Field Training on YouTube now for almost two and a half years has contracted us to create a podcast for him. Is that right? So that in addition to having what is an incredibly vibrant and quickly growing YouTube following of more than 50,000 people, Mm. which you can see right now over at freefieldtraining.com, we're also building an audio reciprocal podcast that doesn't only include most of the channel content over at his YouTube channel, but also includes some custom-made only able to be heard via the audio podcast content, which is incredibly exciting. For I me. love that. Only available at stuff. Yeah. yeah. This this is the first hybrid of what I hope this year holds many for Two Guys Talking and a number of other video projects that I've gravitated towards on YouTube that I not only watch and listen to religiously, but that I really do feel have a good, solid, vested interest in providing education here at Two Guys Talking. Mm. Free field training, for those of you that have not been paying attention to our podcasts, is uh, an excellent channel for people that are either interested in security or law enforcement, but really a whole bunch of super commonsensical stuff to go and learn more about law enforcement and security from Officer Tommy Model, who serves inside of a law enforcement department somewhere near the outskirts of South Chicago. Tommy is an incredible talker. His ability to freeform and grab information and then educate people with that information, I don't think it's matched. In fact, I don't think I match it, and that's me saying something. When I can find people that can talk uh, not only faster but more intelligently, then I can 
perceive myself as hoping to share education with people. Right. It really is something. And that's what we're going to be bringing with the Free Field Training Podcast. You'll be able to find it over at freefieldtrainingpodcast.com. But right now, I'd like all of you to stop what you're doing, including this podcast. Hit control and or command and on the Apple system and go over to freefieldtraining.com. Visit through some of Tommy's excellent, excellent content that deals with everything inside the security and law enforcement realms. But again, that thread of commonsensical situational awareness is something everybody will benefit from. Freefieldtraining.com. The run to infinity. This last week, Nick, I actually jammed in a whole bunch of excellent Marvel movies to catch up so that I'm now caught up to where you and Jason Contini and a bunch of other people are right now ah, yes. inside of the run. And it's, uh, I've actually gone, uh, I've gone forward a couple too to make those postings for the website that's mm-hmm. coming up from the run to infinity. So right now I'm actually up to the beginning of Iron Man three, which we don't have a reciprocal perspective review for, but that is a dangling piece of interesting podcast carrot that I have for everybody that's listening. Remember, those of you that have any interest in podcasting, but more importantly, any comic book property that we have not yet done a perspective review, I'd like to hear from you because we're always looking for people with obviously different perspectives to participate inside of the perspective reviews that we do not yet have inside of Two Guys Talking. So Iron Man 3 is one of them, along with an assortment of others. I know you guys think that we've done everything, but we have not definitively done everything. Really only scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah. And so we're looking for other people to participate in what is their favorite properties that they can provide insight and perspective on during the perspective reviews of all of those you can find a complete listing inside the show notes for this episode of the agents of shield podcast over at agentsofshield.tv where you'll see a listing of what we've got but then more importantly a listing of what we don't got and after each one of those you can click on the link and request that you be a piece of the audience inside any one of those perspective reviews check it out now again that's twoguystalking.com forward slash infinity for the complete listing more importantly agentsofshield.tv for the show notes for this episode of the agents of shield podcast nick it's time to get complex as we detail and break down the last day agents of shield season five episode eight Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Starting earlier and chancing time travel via flash-forward backs. This is a very interesting art inside of this episode that I am not sure I followed. Yeah. This is the, I think, the first time in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. history I was lost. I get about 80% through the episode, and there's a couple of stutter steps that I don't quite understand. It's where if you were watching a professional NFL player move side to side as he was warming up his legs or something, and then he does that little quick hitch hit, you know, and goes the other way unexpectedly. Right. Well, there's a couple of times during towards the end of this episode, I don't understand where the feet are landing during the stutter stepping. And I know it's because I've not, there's, there's a piece I missed somewhere that is either smaller or more innate than I can gauge. And I'm really hoping that the chemistry set is going to come through hardcore inside this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I don't know how, the, how well the chemistry set is going to work because I'm not going to say I was lost, but it's kind of funny that you use the word lost mm-hmm. because this episode 
made me think of the TV show Lost. Mm. I think one of the things... Which you were or weren't a fan of. I'm not, I don't I was a fan until they started doing absolutely nothing for an entire season. Was that after season two? Uh, yes. Okay. Was it after... I, I lasted... I think I lasted up until season three. Interesting. So interesting. I'm watching the show, and the show hooked me in yeah, the beginning. Sure. It was very interesting. Yeah. It was a little sci-fi, a little fantasy, a mm-hmm. little bit of horror. I got to the okay. end of season two, and the beginning of season three blew me away, rather blew me out of the water, and mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I want to say into season three, at the end of every episode where no nothing really happens, we're just getting another flashback and learning more about a character, the advertisements for next week would always be, next week, secrets revealed, truths told. And I'm like, ooh, okay, finally, we're going to get to the plot of this again. Yeah, 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 and yeah. then the, and the next episode would happen, and nothing, It, it again, it's just another episode. Mm. And then the advertisements for next week it's going to be oh hold on to your hats folks we've got mysteries solved and secrets revealed and oh okay okay and i go two or three weeks of the same stuff and i get nothing and yeah, i'm like see, nope sorry yeah pull on the ripcord not bye only, yeah not only that, that that's where a program is jerking you around right and uh, there was a, another program not so strangely on on abc as well called flash forward remember that one mm. well mike wilkerson did the flash forward podcast oh so did I'm, you? I'm deeply familiar with it yeah and that is exactly the the the, the interesting part was it was definitely being jerked around but they would do way more than just dangle the at the end of the episode go mysteries uncovered finally while you've been watching this season they didn't they didn't just do that they would actually sprinkle it with little breadcrumbs of really interesting wait a minute if that means this then that means that okay that's very interesting but eventually you've got to get to something Right. And it never did, and then it was canceled. So it was even worse than Lost, because at least inside of Lost, you had that it ended. It did have, quote, unquote, an ending. Right, right. But the reason why I I bring up the show Lost Mm -hmm. is because this episode, it feels to me that everything coming from Robin's past perspective is exactly like a season of Lost. It's telling you something without telling you anything. You're seeing stuff that, oh, wow, oh, okay, so I'm seeing May, and they're in this effort, and they're, oh, there's Gemma, but where's Colson? Yeah. Where's Dave? Where, where's the rest of our cast? And yeah. then all of a sudden, we're, we're back to the future. Modern day, right. Our, our modern day and with our characters. And then we go there again, just randomly. And we're not being told anything important and it's also told and we'll talk more about this as we break it down as we hit the points as we Mm. go through it but the most important part is that it's in line yes so there's not a blue tone there's not a there's not a tone like a there's no all of those hallmarks of you now understanding that it's something previous beyond the color uh right uh, there's no color saturation it's very muted beyond the front end of this episode where it literally says whatever i think it said a city or something 2018 it said the zephyr or the zephyr, zephyr 2018. 2018 yeah. beyond that that's the only time script that you get so that i am assuming that every time you go back to inside of this episode at some point it is not that it is whatever time they're referencing and that there isn't a line and remark of when you're going back i can assume that it's about the same time backwards but you don't know when right 
I have a lot of friends that go, you know, I like the Terminator stuff, except for the deep jaunts inside of time travel. And I'm like, hold on a second. Deep jaunts inside of time travel for Terminator? <laughs> no. I, it, it, as much as I want to pour on the delicious sugar nature of Terminator and eat it every day of my life, Terminator is not an in-depth time travel tome of any kind, especially if you only hold the first two, maybe three movies to some sort of bond in mm. regard to what's happening inside the universe. Right. Now, you start adding on the others, it starts to get weird and convoluted, but that's because they end on more Judgment Day days. They don't They don't make it. It's not It's not August 29th anymore. It's now three or four other different yeah. things. Yeah. That's when it starts to get weird, but it's because you have to then remember all those dates. And in this one, there's no dates. They're just throwing a bunch of stuff at you, and you've got to discern where all the puzzle pieces interlock. And, and I think I'm pretty good at it. So when we get into this episode, and that we've talked this long, almost almost 10 whole minutes on this very first point, is a very interesting outlay for this episode for sure. Uh, what I want everybody to do right now is go ahead and pause the podcast, go over to agentsofshield.tv, click the contact button, open that in a new window, start filling out the web form, and when you think of something that we're going to talk about that has to do with the whole time travel hoopla that's going to go on inside this episode... Write down your notes, just like I do when I'm watching an episode of this program, and tell us what you think. Just that stream of consciousness thought is something I want to see as you guys go. Agentsofshield.tv. A mention of the creepy McSilverballs makeup video. Those of you that have been joining Nick and I in reveling in the level of special effects, in particular practical makeup effects inside of this season, you will enjoy thickly the video that we posted over on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast Facebook presence. Mm -hmm. And it is the ability to see from sitting in makeup chair with no makeup to seeing finally realized complete makeup for creepy McSilverballs in a chair. And it's quick. It's really, really good. It's well, it's time lapse too because you know yep. if it had had it been a real video you know without time three lapse, four hours yeah yeah, yeah it, it's crazy what I love though is that it really does pay off you know you, you think to yourself all of us have put makeup on of some kind you and I for acting mm-hmm. uh, I know I've done some Halloween costumes that are reasonably thick in regard to putting on some makeup like you got to be kidding me why am I putting four pounds of makeup on my face right oh yeah um, so I, I get it. But I've never spent four hours in a chair at all, ever. No, no, not and me. So neither I, have I. I. I can't imagine it, except that it would be really cool if I had the paycheck that she's getting to sit in a chair. <laughs> all right, so anyway, uh, my, my point is that I want you to go and watch it because I want you to see the transformation. But more importantly, I want you to see the results of what it takes to have effective makeup inside of modern-day Hollywood high-definition screen television because it is astounding that they take her from what she was, which is an even more gorgeous woman into this hybrid alien person that is still humanoid, that still has two eyes, that still has hair, that has a a very slinky dress on, and that's about it, into an effective alien presence simply by applying makeup. And I, I, I love it, and I want all of you to go check it out. Again, that's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast on Facebook. It's over at facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. You can also get there via agentsofshield.tv. Chrysanthemum casts the retribution die. This is excellent. There's a very short, to-the-point conversation that is not the rubbing hands together of the maniacal evil villain. It's just the plan of this incredibly angry man. And I love it. Mm -hmm. 
I love it. it we is. don't we don't get any mustache twirling. There's no more monologuing. Yeah, it's we're going to get to the we're we're getting to the meat. Yeah. of what this character wants to do. Yeah. with uh, with Daisy. Yeah, and I what I love is that it's terribly appropriate. There's very few things that are left after you murder your own brother, mm-hmm. and so being to the point, being absolutely point by point by point. Here's what you're going to do. Ready to go. She gives a nod. Boom. We're done. I love it. I love. Let's the, have a drink to the mission and go. Yeah, I, I I love the the expedition that happens inside of this whole scene, that it is not long and drawn out, that it is not overtly over dramatic, that it is perfect to the point and pointed well mm-hmm. for the mission that's going to happen here. I thought it was perfect. <laughs> Quelling the blame game down below. This is another outstanding piece. There's a lot to say when you want the bad guy to try and get back at the people that are kind of getting the one over. And the neatest part of that, especially for people that are really, really bad and evil, is that they will then punish the periphery people and not just the people that are responsible. And you absolutely get that. I mean, this is this is very much... I remember specifically talking about the not the comparison, but the contrast that you get inside of this series and particularly these last four or five episodes in comparison to an entire partial mini series dedicated to a now dead property, i.e. the Inhumans, Mm. where if we only took two of the episodes that were provided in the last five, or in this case, eight, and plucked two of those, you would see more development, both of story and character, than you did in any of the entire series of the Inhumans properties. And so when we start seeing really deep rooted things here, like this King doesn't like it at all. When you get over on him and you know how you're going to pay the subjects are going to pay, even though they weren't directly responsible for anything because you're an idiot. They pay. Mm. Ha ha. I love that. I love that. That isn't, that is an absolutely evil move. And it is thrown in on the tail end of this wonderful pointed, almost exposition plan of how uh, of what 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 is going to come it's very well put in here the thing that makes it not it's definitely not less evil but the thing that makes it more evil for the people that it's affecting yet secondary for chrysanthemum is the fact that instead of hunting down the people responsible i'm just going to punish everybody yeah we know that they've turned the water off now they've turned the power off that means the air is going to start getting thin as well. W- why bother with sending all of my troops to search for the one or two people that are hiding among hundreds? Eh, punish them all. Mm-hmm. And eventually, the people are going to get so scared and so fed up that they're just going to turn mm-hmm. on the people that they're looking for. Right. Simple. Right. And regardless of whether or not that's actually going to get them off, it won't make any difference because they're going to... The, the the bad guys don't care. Mm. They're not going to go, okay, well, if you turn them in, then I'll let you live. Nothing. None of that I never said. said I was going to turn the water back on yeah. if you turned them in. I never said I was going to go corral the roaches. What, where did, where yeah. did you get that idea? Uh, and that that is all out there and that we all know that and we're not going to be touched by roaches and or bad air or that there's no power or that there's no water running is infinitely more dire for us as the viewer as it is the people that are actually there experiencing it. And that, that's what I love about the storytelling inside of this this television series, especially this season. They totally get how to provide that impact that is befalling the people inside of the story onto the people that are watching it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, in, that's incredibly effective. The questions that could be asked of Robin. 
What would they, should they be? This is where Mike Brain finally started to feel the crumbs of earth crumbling. And I don't, I can't tell you what scene it was because I don't remember initially. But this is where I was seeing something on the screen and my brain didn't know where to grab it and then put it in slot number 47. And that's why I wrote this point. Because while her and Coulson are sitting there and they kind of give you the ramp to where Coulson starts asking the questions, the question really becomes, what would you ask her if you could ask her a question? And as the story goes, the funny part about asking the questions is that when you get the answers back, or if you get the answers back, you don't know whether or not they're in regard to the question that you've asked, or if they're in regard to something future that's going to happen, or the difference between the two. And I, there's a couple of excellent scenes where Fitz gets frustrated at that. And I can totally relate with that. My, my daughter happens to be high-functioning autistic. And she's not, she's never been at the point where we don't actually know what she's talking about. But I can remember specifically that there was a time when all she would do is talk in platitudes that she heard on television. So the sample would be, for those of you that are uh, fans of the Dora television program, she'd walk into a room and she'd go, Swiper, no swiping, Swiper, no swiping. I don't know what the hell that means. What, what are you trying to say, honey? And as soon as I sat down and I watched, I don't know, a few hours of television with her, what I understood was that, do you know who Swiper is, by the way, Nick? He's the guy who would swipe stuff on the show of Dora the Explorer. Okay. Well, he's a, he's a fox, no less, and he would go and steal things inside the show. And so Swiper No Swiping was her uh, jaunt into speaking to try and tell people that she's been wronged. Something inside the situation that she's experiencing is going wrong. So the story here sounds incredibly familiar to me where somebody says something and it's alluding to something else, but you've got to try and figure it out. So they got me there too. I'm already drawn in. Now all I got to do is I got to take my mental power and place it against the pieces that are going to be provided and then let my brain process the rest. It's going to work out just fine, right? Not right. Because that's not what happened inside of this entire episode as we got to the 80 percentile mark. Yeah, and that's the the frustrating thing, especially if you go back to the episode Rewind. Yes, yes. Where it seems that the the drawings are more of an answer to questions that aren't even being asked yeah. Yeah. than anything. Those are the prophecies that Enoch, or, Enoch is talking about mm-hmm. in that episode, in the episode of Rewind. So... Why haven't we been paying attention to those since then? Because she hasn't stopped drawing. As a matter of fact, she's still drawing in this episode as as her older self, and we see her throughout. And that's another that's another problem I had. We don't really see her except in early adolescence, maybe a year or so older than we saw her in the episode Originally, of Rewind. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if this is if if she does not see her life in a linear form, why were we only paying attention to a linear portion? I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, again, these I'm are not, que- sure a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, the, your whole your whole bullet point here is yeah. the questions we would ask. Well, here's more questions for you. Mm-hmm. Why did the show runners? Why did the writers decide to only focus on on this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Because for me. If I knew that, especially because we don't know what happened to her mother. Right. And we knew that Enoch says, well, she she mostly talked to her mother. Okay, well, wouldn't her mother have told somebody to say, hey, pay attention to her drawings? 
And or while use I'm, the drawings along with right, whatever she says while to I'm try watching, to block. While I'm watching the episode, mm -hmm. I'm doing my best to pause and try to look around and look at the drawings that she has hanging up in her little living area. And I can't make anything out mm -hmm. because they're not in focus, because they're not supposed to be in right, focus. Right, right. You won't take a piece of... You might take an additional piece of boy that's interesting and throw it on a wall like that but you won't take the main thrust of storytelling and throw it on a wall kind of obscured by a blur effect inside of a modern day hd yeah. television screen so you're in exactly the same boat i'm in and i really appreciate that you are in the same boat because you are the guy that goes a little bit on that higher level inside of the storytelling and is able to extract things that i've never seen inside of episodes so i'm really glad to hear that we're kind of on the same level in regard to being really lost in regard to a lot of the things that we're seeing here. This is the day it all ends. What ends? And that's something I now having seen the episode and beginning our discussion. Well, and what day? What, right. But also what ends? What day and what is ending on what day? Does the adventure end? Does the getting back to earth end? Does the, does our, our, do our lives end? What ends? Does somebody's specifically does somebody's life end. Yeah. And again, this reminds me very much of taking my daughter into a room full of, I think there were eight total people in the room, including me, all of which were young, youth-centric specialists in communication, all of them, trying to figure out what my daughter says. And I'm the one that figures it out. I, I'm sitting there watching television with her. And then in her life, when she starts to feel something, she'll start saying things that all match the feeling that the character inside of television has that matches what she's saying. Well, I'm the one that figured it out. It wasn't any of the seven people in the room. It was me. So that little moment the where we have the Rosetta Stone moment, that's what's missing so far. And I, I never got it. I never got it as we get to the end. Well, you would think that going forward in the episode, we see that May is the one who ends up taking care of Robin throughout her life. Her early part of it, from what we see her, to the point to where she's calling her mom. Well, the point where she dies. Right. But, no. Yeah. She's sitting right there when she Technically, dies. Technically, but that's not see, linear. This is a, right, but this is another question we're going to have, because it's like... Because how, how, we're how, talking how about you future May. Right, how were you made to forget that she just told you all that shit? Supposedly, that, that supposedly not. See, that's the problem with the flashbacks, or flash sideways, or flash forwards, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. The muted flashbacks. Mm -hmm. We know that evidently they're in a loop. They are in a constant loop yeah. now, yeah. to where they know that okay, well, we tried to we tried to tell Daisy don't break the earth. That evidently didn't work. Right. We tried to work with Robin. That didn't work. We worked with v Voss, mm -hmm. and evidently his plan didn't work. Fitz being extremely frustrated has gone. We're we're stuck in this loop. We know that it n nothing that we do is ever working. Right, right. So that right there tells me, knowing what I know of of time travel and and that it's not linear, is that why hasn't why isn't there like a journal? Why isn't why why isn't the journal of Melinda May? Why isn't there something that somebody one of our characters can just look at and go like, okay, so this is what happened. Let's make sure that this doesn't happen. Or this is what happened. Here are the key phrases that Robin has been yeah, saying Rosetta over Stone. and over and over. We, the Rosetta Stone. Right. Now I get not having one of those makes things a lot diff a lot more difficult mm -hmm. and then ups the peril. 
I gotcha. This show is all about up in the peril. Okay. But when there has to be a plateau, two guys there, like us yeah, yeah. Are, are, are having this conversation mm -hmm. to where neither one of us can really put our finger on right. maybe this is what they're trying to do. Yeah. Not, not this is what they're trying to do because I, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need it spelled out for me, but when I can't even begin to figure it out and we have to have this conversation to try to, you know, pool our resources to figure out what's going on, that could be a good thing. But it's also a bad thing. Yeah. I, I would equate it very much to you needing to understand the stair steps that happen inside of Inception. And yeah. Inception is a long bow and arrow pull story, dude. Like, unbelievable. And if there's any, if any point after you grab the back of the arrow and begin pulling back towards your cheek, you miss any of them. The rest of the arrow pull doesn't work when you let loose. And... I don't, not only do I not know where I lost my, my focus on the draw of what's happening, I don't know that we ever got the grabbing the back of the arrow and began pulling. And that's the problem. I, there's not a, there's not a seed generation moment where I go, okay, so, so this is where we got to pay attention because there's all kinds of things going on. Like Voss turning on Daisy. First, he chooses to you know, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, so let's wait, run through it, and then we'll jump through it in real time. Ha-ha, yeah. inside of this episode. The Creepers. Have we heard this term already in the previous episodes in this season? I don't remember them focusing on the word creepers for... And it's K-R-E-E-P-E-R-S inside the captioning. I just don't remember them focusing on that word referring to the blue people before. Mm. Who, who said it? Um, I'm sorry. Deke. I'm I've, I'm Deke. Deke. Deke said it. Deke and Daisy are in a corridor discussing whatever. Which, by the way, kudos to the production, st uh, the production design staff for taking our sage old imperiled Zephyr, Zephyr and turning it into this luscious wasteland. Yeah, yeah. Wow, really, Definitely really good stuff. Uh, I I don't know if they have referred to the the uh, grunt. Cree as creepers that may explain why we have gravitated towards coming up with our own unique names for no, I'm, Cree characters. No, I'm just cool like that. See, I was cool before ah, cool was cool. Really? Right. Wow. And that's with a K. I gotcha. So, <laughs> word. Anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to note that because I didn't remember any referring to the actual word creepers beforehand. Uh, but it was cool that we'd already been on the same appropriate track. You want to call the audience? Uh, yeah, I do. You guys remember anybody inside of the character compliment referring to the word creepers, referring to the adjutant creep people. Let us know what you remember by going over to agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side inside the contact page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you remember. Flint sure is doomsday for having newly found powers. I realize that it's really easy to get negative when all the people that you cared about and have interacted with your entire life now hate you. Oh, wait. So that's why he was. <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I, I kind of look at it my way. If I had grown up on this incredibly dead-end station where I've kind of made my own life and then I suddenly found myself, I have superpowers. And now here's a whole team of people that some of you also have superpowers and I have a new life waiting. I don't know. I... It must be my being a guy that's half glass full rather than half empty. Ironically enough, it rubbed me wrong too. My first time seeing this because I actually watched. I had to watch this episode twice. I did too. 
I did too because I thought I was really just missing it. Uh, I don't. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And this this specific part rubbed me wrong. It was like, well, wait a minute. Weren't you the one just? let's say in story mode just half an hour ago going i'm not going anywhere i've got powers and i gotta be a hero and i'm gonna stay here and i'm gonna help people and then oh oh no it's your fault flint boo boo to you oh well i guess i better just go you i'll go and kill myself let the roaches eat me <laughs> it's better than people hating me boo hoo yeah Oh, man, that I, rubbed me wrong. Yeah, I, I didn't care for it, mostly because I, I thought that the point of uh, revenge redemption was an incredibly good one for him. And if that didn't help push him over the echelon of, you know, that whole with great power comes great responsibility, without actually saying it, by the way, which was I really appreciated. We, right. we didn't talk about that in the other episode. I'm really happy that that was realized inside the episode because... It, it's a piece of coming of age that every character with superpowers has to eventually realize. There has to be a light bulb moment. And that they were able to give that to us without being overtly, with great power comes great responsibility, is awesome. It is. It, it is really very is awesome. awesome. But when you go for the melodramaticness of the, yeah. oh, everybody hates me. So, yeah, I guess having my, my blood sucked out by yeah. roaches is a lot better than just being around people who hate me all the time. I, yeah. I get that you're upset, kid, yeah. but tone it down. Yeah. The introduction to the vault door. That's likely to get us home. I like that this was painted as a piece of technology lightly. It didn't have giant blue lights on it streaming from left to right. Looked like extremely right low tech for, yeah. for yeah. it being in the future. And yeah. For it being Marvel and... Yeah. Everything else like that, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was really glad to see this, and again, that it looked like just a, a vault door. Yeah. That you couldn't quite discern exactly what that was going on with it. I really did appreciate that. How are we going to fit into that? Yeah. More importantly, how are we going to make it work if it took a year's worth of battery power to use it once just to get us here originally? Yeah. And that uh, this is probably the point where my brain started trying to wrap itself around what's going on. Because you go, okay, so according to Voss and his little sidestepping dialogue during this scene, he literally says it took a year's worth of battery power for us to fire up, fire it up the first time, but at least it got you guys here. Right. Okay, great. So inside of Mike brain, especially the first time I was watching this, I'm like, okay, so if, you know, we pause and we fast forward a little bit, okay, so somehow the goal is dot, 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 to get another year's worth of battery power somehow stockpiled or created or whatever, so that you can then point it at the door or hook it up to the door with some batteries or have somebody that's got powers that we haven't yet found out to try and link the electricity slash power to the door and enact it and so we can all get home and then none of this happened. And the instant I started going down that path, flashback, fast forward, re-forward, whatever we're calling it. And that's when I got snapped out of it again, where I don't remember, I, I don't, I literally don't remember what the, what the flash forward back was that we were snapped to at that point. But I know it totally derailed me, and I my brain didn't connect anything at all Well, uh, in regard to what we were being told and just saw to what we're being shared through inside the flash-forward back. The way that it plays out is that we see the device, and we know that it somehow works, and then we're taking flashback forward to May telling Fitz and Simmons that they will be creating this device. 
And they're like, well, yeah, yeah, but we can't. It doesn't exist. Well, you're going to create it. Well, what if we don't? It, it'll take a lifetime. What if we don't finish? Then f people will finish it for you. But we know that you have to be the ones that create this. It's specifically said as if they have future knowledge saying that Fitz and Simmons are the ones that design this machine that will be able to open some temporal gate along with the monolith. Right, right, right. We're given these pieces, but we don't know what the picture looks like. That's fair. That's the problem with That's this fair. episode. That's fair. There's a lot of pieces that are thrown out there, big, juicy, chunky pieces, but we have no idea what the what the box what the the image on the box yeah. is supposed to be. Yeah, that's well said. So where we're just fumbling around trying to put them in, put them together. The thing is, we don't know what the image is. And, and, and if we check, there's 13 episodes inside this first front end of the season. Is that what we're looking at? Do we know? No. In 10 episodes, we have the first quote pod. Then episode 11 is when we'll be going after we get back and dot dot dot. But what I'm trying to discern is the the end that is being referred to inside this episode, if it came in three episodes, and now that we have at least identified the pieces, the luscious pieces that you're referring to, perhaps the next two or three episodes actually put that outline in, and then we start fleshing in the big meaty pieces as we go towards whatever the break blah is. That, that's total supposition on my part, and especially because I don't, Possibly. I don't typically pay attention to those things, because I frankly don't want to know. I just want the story to deliver to me piece by piece by piece, but I don't like it when I finish an episode, especially as juicy, to steal your term, as this one. And I feel as confused as when I got to the end of it. Uh, I have a problem with that. Especially in a show that's been riding super high for four plus seasons. To get an episode like this where all the content is wonderful, all of the twisty turnies are wonderful, and having almost Robin Brain... At the end of this episode. Well, if that's and I have, a, I almost have a hunch that that's what the writers were trying to do. It was we were we are really experiencing the majority of this episode as if we had Robin's abilities mm -hmm. or disability, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Now, see, when we look at the story, and I, the only thing that's going to be able to discern this is time. But mm -hmm. if inside the writers' room at some point they go, "What if we do this?" Okay, just follow me on this. What if we do this? All of the pieces that spurt out of Robin's brain, let's give them to the audience interspersed between the actual storytelling inside this episode. What do you think, Morgan? What do you think, Mary? What do you think, Alan? And they all go, okay. Now, if that was the plan and that's what we get so that we do get the perspective of what you see inside of Robin's brain, I'm a fan. I just want to make sure that at some point during the next one or two episodes... You, we get to see not only the outside of the the outline of the box, but the or the uh, the outline of the picture that's on the box, but also the the picture that's on the box. So we can start putting in the 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 color pieces of the black and white one that's there waiting for us. Right, and the the only reason why I don't think that that delivers is because we keep going back to the lighthouse. If this episode would have been nothing but our characters on the grounded Zephyr on crumbled earth mm -hmm. interacting with Robin and then going back and forth, flashback forward to Robin younger and then back to her being older. And it was just that then yes, would have been brilliant because you're focusing all on that. Yeah. But the fact that we keep going back to the lighthouse and dealing with Flint and yo-yo and Mac and everything else like that, derails everything. Yeah, we're going to get to more of that, too. There's a couple of pieces in there that you just said are incredibly important. On our own, 
and time to scrog. I can remember vividly the first time I heard the word scrog. Are you familiar with the word scrog? I don't know scrog. I know snog. All right. So scrog. Scrog is, I remember seeing it specifically inside of a cartoon in my junior year of high school. So that's going to be the early days of 1987. Okay. And back then, scrog was the word you would use... There, by the way, there was no Urban Dictionary, so you can go and look it up and see what they actually have mean inside of that. But back then, it was an alien word that was used inside of a cartoon that was created to skirt past anybody that would want to know what that actually meant. Because, of course, back then in 1987, there was no internet to reference on words that might have come up that were that were questionable or not available <laughs> for reference. Sure. So for those that are curious, the word scrog is aggressive, usually drunken sex there are some other words that are included inside of that description and we'll link them up they won't be on our web page but we'll link them so that you can go and read them on their own most of them are not friendly for work so if you do click on that link just be aware that you don't want that inside of your browser history it's not friendly at all anyway in this case it's time for our two heroes to scrog because of course they've been away from each other for so long and i liked it uh it doesn't scrog doesn't fit the word but i wanted to use something other than uh have some luscious uh lovemaking session and so i chose scrog anyway inside of this uh, scene inside this episode we get a tiny very all too quick moment where uh, fitz and simmons are able to have a wonderful embrace and a very short smooch yeah but no no scrogging no scrogging sorry no time to scrog. No time to scrog because, of course, the storyline is kicking us in the balls. There's no time forward. to scrog, Dr. Jones. <laughs> Plenty of time to snog. Having Enoch lead the way. Exposition of the time lost, quote unquote. There's that word again. There's that word again. And inside this instance, what I'm referring to is there's a piece of this where they refer to Enoch to try and throw out a lifeline he's the friend that gets the phone call to try and drag us back into some semblance of what's going on and i'm like yay okay we got enoch who's gonna reel it all in and start adding some glue into this picture that we don't have anything on yet and that's not what happens like at all nope and so we finish this this scene and i'm i use the word lost in this description here inside this bullet point again because i'm even more lost after we get through this point with, with Enoch. Because what he, he essentially gives us the whole, you know, time means something different to a, chron- a, a chronomicon, whatever whatever the word he uses. And, and I mean, I get it. You know, it's cool that you get to think for 30,000 years as it all passes by and it's a fleeting instant where all of us are dead and ashes and back into the universe and whatever else. I get it. I totally get it. That doesn't give us any answers at all. Well, no, because he hasn't been around her that much. Because remember, he had to go off into the universe and create a badass persona for Fitz to have. Right, which took him all of less than a nanosecond in his well, yeah, lifespan. in, in his the blip of his existence. Right. True. Right. But that's kind of what I mean. Uh, though, he is did that we... kind of foreshadow the whole fact that the only person that she talked to was her mother, and then at the end of the episode, as old Robin is laying dying. May is holding her, who in the past she looked as her surrogate mother. So in a way, Enoch helped. And the way that you're looking at me, you're still lost. Lost. Exactly. 
pushing the roaches to other areas, the concepts of pest control and homeowner dreams. Something I wanted to focus on here is another wonderfully squirrely, different, okay, well here, we'll force the roaches into their area. That's not what happens. They force the roaches out of another area and the place to evacuate is the place where the people are. And what I loved about this was that it reminded me vividly of when I bought my home, which this year will be 15 years ago in September of this year. And so I remember vividly that I had this luscious green grass that I didn't know until about a year into our homeownership, the guy had completely resodded our lawn. That's a great thing for when you're buying a house. Not so great a thing when you're wanting to maintain your lawn that wasn't there a year beforehand. And not knowing about it, because they didn't share that with us. Right. We just looked out on there, and we walked the yard. My God, it's luscious. I can't believe the grass. Wow, it's so awesome. Blah, 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 blah. So it's awesome, right? Well, in the coming years, if you don't take care of a sodded lawn, what happens is typically it will die and then wash away. Well, we live on a slope. Yeah. <laughs> and so we happened to catch it towards the latter half of the first year. And so we got it. We got it where it was still luscious and green and dude. I was the Rasta Caddyshack homeowner, i.e. I made that grass grow thick like carpet. There wasn't a spot inside of our yard, even on the even on the sloped areas, where you couldn't go lay down and it felt like you were on a bed. It was just awesome. I loved it. The first four years of our homeownership was absolutely awesome. Towards the end of our fourth year of homeownership, however, moles. Not fun. For those of you that are unfamiliar with mole activity, moles are these tiny little blind rodents that do nothing but dig and look for grubs in your yard. Well, not so strangely, when your grass is growing green, greener than anybody else's yard around you, you know where the moles go, don't you? They go to where the grubs are, which is eating the bottom of awesome grass, which is Mike's house. So what I didn't understand originally was that I can go and get all the traps, I can lay all the poison, I can use all of the wonderful things on the internet that I could find to kill moles, all of it. I can do all of that. But if I do all of that, the only thing that they do is they evacuate the yard where all the traps and the sundry are and go next door. Awesome, right? You don't want them in your yard, so they'll go next door. Awesome. Except when the people next door are doing nothing, they eat all their grubs and then come back. So that's exactly what's going on here is that the source of ease of where you are changes thereby you're able to take the in this case the pests and put them someplace else simply by making sure that the place where you don't want them to be has something that makes them uncomfortable and so they go elsewhere and that's why roaches in particular when you quote bomb a roach house that's awesome but if you don't bomb the houses and places around where you're bombing it doesn't make any difference Because at some point in time, they're just going to come back. What this episode shows us is that the Cree have actually harnessed that concept and use it to go debase the rabble. In this case, just killing indiscriminately Mm. to go and clear area to do whatever they want with the space that's cleared. I thought that was a very interesting way to not only have storytelling, but to really show the wrath of the roaches are just that. They're going to go into a place and they're going to clear house. And then they're going to go to the next place and clear house and go to the next place and clear house. It's not that they're evil. It's that, hey, they're roaches. Look, food, done. And I love that. I love that concept that they're they're using and shoveling on us and that they don't just go, oh, hey, look, a human, I will eat you. They just look at you and they go, food, yummy, 
Right. And that's it. Well, okay. Uh, I thought it was kind of convenient because just when they need to get to level three to get their weapons that Fitz left in the past for them, the Kree decide to move the roaches to level 10 where the people are. I, I just thought it was just way too convenient. Okay. And see, I don't operate. I like I, I like don't the, operate them in a high level. Well, no, well, no. I mean, they, they specifically did it to kill humans. It's like, okay, we're going to round them up. We're going to open up the oh yeah the the gates or the the elevator, and we're going to let them crawl through, and then they're going to kill people. Oh, great. Well, it just so happens to happen at the exact same time that Mac and Yo Yo and Flint need to be on level three to get all the weapons. Yeah. Well, and there's a there's a piece of storytelling, and it's what I really want to ask people about that's coming up here that deals with exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Insert the Mario Brothers music moment, finding pieces of the monolith. This was very interesting because very much inside of any modern day video game, the Hedgehog game also reminds me of this where you just go and you collect rings and awesome things happen after you collect a certain number of rings, blah, to the next level after a boss, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, that's what this almost felt like. Where, okay, now we've got one piece of the monolith. Only six more will be able to ascend to the next level after a boss. And I'm glad we didn't instantly get that. Even there's even little pieces where you're you're thinking, okay, so like we're gonna go find two and three more pieces, and then in the next episode we find four pieces, and then we're able to ascend. You didn't get that, and I'm really happy that they didn't just go in that direction. True, but they talk about going in that direction. They talk about there. Well, there has to be more pieces. Well, well, these are the only pe- this is the only piece we've ever found. Oh well, it fits conveniently right here in the center of the machine. Okay, so you turn the machine on and it uses this piece of the monolith. And, and again, you have to think fourth dimensionally, like Doc Brown would tell you. So is this the monolith now when it was large in the past, you know, able to become all floaty and, and liquidy and suck people in? Is this what it is now? Or did something happen to the monolith over the last 70 years and this is all that's left? Again, pieces. The answer is you don't know. (laughs) No picture. Right. Yeah, I agree. We don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. How are we supposed to travel through time in the opposite direction if there is no monolith? Yeah. You know? Yeah. We've already been told that evidently this machine with this piece of monolith is what got them to the future all in different places mm-hmm. on the on the lighthouse but to the future but we don't know anything about anything else right the pieces parts inside of the machine are completely missing and that's right. you're absolutely right everything you just said there is absolutely right and i just i i think that's what makes me appreciate it and i again i kept waiting for there to be a piece or a character or a delivery mechanism for the rosetta stone of what we were going to see either inside this episode or a glimpse of what you're going to get in the next episode. And it never arrived like ever. And then it even threw on more and we're going to get to those in just a moment. Yo-Yo's curious paradox where Mac isn't around. Let's ponder this because it's, this is, this is where I knew Mike brain was taking a left turn inside of what I thought was a two lane highway. <laughs> Cause like, wait a minute so Mac's not supposed to be around okay inserted and noted with a push pin got it 
So from there, we grab the yarn string and that goes off on this tangent to do this, except that that hasn't happened. Mac's still around. There's no perceivable general peril. He's not going into a new area of the station where he may or may not die. So what is that piece of the story? And this is when they kept layering on that she would, that Robin would tell things that weren't necessarily a piece of what was going on now, but that you just had to accept it and then eventually be able to interpret that in regard to what was being told to you by her inside of a now or a potential future event. And what I just told you is what's supposed to make sense. Right. And I, my brain wanted more, especially as we got to the end of the episode, that wasn't going to be good enough for me. When you well, say Mac uh, isn't supposed to be here, that's weird. Max like not a, no, terror? it's not Mac's not supposed to be here. It's Mac's gone. Something happened to Mac. Mm-hmm. We don't know what happened to Mac. Right. Mac's gone. Right. They're not going to tell us what happened to Mac. Right. Because that might spoil what could possibly happen in future episodes of this story arc. Right. Like, you also notice of... Philip J. Coulson isn't around either. Right. And and I think the the most important part of this is if we go back up inside of our bullet point list of things here, and it's up, I don't know, 10, 12 points by now. But the, if we go back to the questions you could ask and or should ask, Robin, this is one of them. Where what happened have... to Mac? No, that's not important. It's not important. In the grand scheme of things, the, the one question, really, the one question you should be asking Robin is, how do we stop this? Okay. Now, if you have I, to wait seven years, that, if you have to wait that, seven no. years for her to finally I, answer that. No, I, I, and I don't agree with that. Because, yes, it is the instant done, but there are other questions that you can find out, especially if she's going to give you cryptic answers. If the answer to the question of how do we solve all this, how do we get it out of here right now, is tulips and blueberries and all kinds of awesome, by the way, Mac isn't here. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. It, it means nothing in front of you. So you'd, right. have to, you'd have to then jump to another question. That's what I'm referring to. I'm not, I'm not looking for the writers to write me a three-minute episode. I'm looking for the writers to give me something or a, an avenue to glide towards if I'm not given answers, and that's what's missing. I, I get that. Okay. But in the story, in the universe of this story, if you were in front of Robin right now, what question would you ask her? And it wouldn't matter because you're not going to get the answer to that question. You might get it seven years down the road. See, there, therein lies the problem. The, the, the question is flawed. There is no question you want to ask Robin. Really, what you actually need is, I want all the answers. Where are all the answers that she's been spurting out over the last 70 years? Let me see all the answers. I'll start piecing this stuff together. Right. That's probably what they should have been doing. Yeah, and that might even Somebody should have been writing that down. Well, more importantly, if she was making drawings, then just like inside of... Let me uh, see your sketchbook. They did that inside of Stranger Things, actually, where... Yeah. The scratches that then turn into essentially a map, then eventually. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most effective use of yo yo slow mo. Bar none, the destruction of the roaches is the best to date usage of yo yo slow mo. That's what I want to see every single time we're going to need to go grab yo yo and slow mo, where it's. There's never more than maybe 75% of a step and a twist of her body shown. I don't want to see three steps of yo-yo in an area because it looks dumb. But the way that they choreograph this segment 
I thought it was spectacular. And it's because she's just, they, 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 um, they smear her to get in with the roaches. There's a giant roach in the front of her. There's one behind her. And then there's some that are off towards the, the periphery. And so she, she tags the first one. She twists and takes another half step to the other one, tags that one. The camera moves to back behind the other two. She tags that one. She tags one center camera. And then I think one more. And then they all disappear and they snap back to reality and they go back to Flint and Flint's all blue. Yeah. That's how that should be depicted. And we've seen probably three or four times in the past where we've got yo-yo interacting where, I mean, seriously, it's like you and I grabbing our steady cam and showcasing you and I in slow-mo going to get a soda pop. That's not how this show should be registering in regard to slow-mo effects. This is how this show should be showcased inside of slow-mo effects. Well, it goes back to also talking about how don't you don't have to show everything. Right. Just show the whoosh. The maybe maybe something has you know, a little piece of paper has whooshed up because of the wind and now she's now I'm there holding right. a soda. Right. But if you're not gonna do that and you are gonna show it, this is the way to show it. Oh yeah, definitely. Don't yeah. don't show me don't Crap. show me yo yo going to grab a soda because right. that's boring. Right. But show me her blowing up a whole bunch of roaches. Yeah. What is Voss's motivation? This is where Mike Brain was kicking in pretty hard. This is right after Daisy gets squanched by Voss inside this episode. I don't always go to the machinations of a bad guy. In fact, I think I only do it now because you and I have interacted enough and I'll go back and go, okay, well, why was the bad guy trying to be bad? What mm-hmm. what, what possible reason could you have? <laughs> I always think of that too. There's a, there's a movie that I love. Uh, oh, yeah, I saw it recently. Um, the most recent Incredible Hulk. And Dr. Sam, what's his face, uh, inside of that movie reacts to the guy that plays the abomination when he pulls out the gun and points it at his face. He says, what possible reason would you have to to do this incredible violence against me and it's exactly the same concept where it, like so he turns on a dime to be anti-daisy slash anti-future so what is the motivation and eventually you have to dial down to that he's trying to change the future well yeah i don't think it wasn't turning on it wasn't turning on a dime it was biding time you can't just assassinate somebody in a room full of all of their friends when you don't have a bomb or, you know, the knife right to her throat. Mm-hmm. Think about it. That's why Fitz and Simmons were locked in the back of the Zephyr. Deke was taken out and put in a little cage. You know, Colson and May were distracted by trying to help Fitz and Simmons get out. The, the whole plan was is that evidently we've again and we go back to this loop this time loop which I'm, I'm not I'm not really digging because we've already done that and it was called Doctor Strange and that's how we resolved a movie we're in this time loop and evidently hey we haven't tried killing Daisy because that they still believe Daisy is the one that cracks the earth she even says my powers aren't that strong I can't do that no I don't care We've tried everything else. Evidently, we've tried everything else. 
time to kill you because you're the last component. Let's kill you and see if if everything turns out differently. Right, and see the way that time works. So, and I th- again, I get exactly the same idea when I'm spinning this through my brain as well. Look, we have the surveillance video of you. Look, there you are. Another couple of minutes later, when you're after you walk off camera, there's a 12.8 earthquake that cracks the earth in half. And look, crumbs of earth. So we have to we have to avoid that. So I'm going to murder you now. What? It it, it can't Think work of, that way. Well, well, it's the same thing. It's a, <laughs> for three movies. It's what Skynet was trying to do. All right, but this isn't the Terminator universe. For I, one. I, I know. But it's time travel. Right. So what, what rules of time travel are we using here? Are we using, uh, do you want to use the Terminator world? Do you want to use the Back to the Future world? There's so many different versions of time travel. Because it is such it is an abstract construct. Right. It's not a real science. Right. You can. Yes and no. Hold on. The, the, the gist is that imagine, imagine all of time is a flower. And there are petals of the flower ascribed to certain times. What this story is telling me, if I understand it right, is this. So let's say there are 30 different petals on the flower. He's gotten down to number 27, 28, and 29. All right, so 27, oh, that didn't work. 28, that didn't work. Out the window goes Robin. 29, that didn't work either. Okay, so... Now, there's something else, obviously, that we're going to get delivered. But if you listen to Fitz during the flashback forwards, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be able to happen. Uh, uh, See, that's the thing. Technically speaking, May and Daisy have also talked about this in in episodes, even in this episode. You go back in time, knowing the events of the future, you change the future. Therefore, this should be an alternate timeline. Go to Back, back to the Future yeah. too. No, I agree with that. But that's evidently not true. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying is that at some point there have to be at least reference points. And that's what's missing for me. There are, there the are picture. no. You, you've got, you have the, no picture, but you have all these pieces. There, there are no conceivable reference points to go back to to go if the strand of yarn gets unplucked from this one in this, this pushpin and put somewhere else. This is what happened. Or this is what will happen. All that's missing. Supposedly. Okay. The cracks of time, might they have led to the crumbs of Earth? So, I took off the Mike Brain hat, and I put on something a little bit more different. I don't even know what to call it. But is the trying to pluck the differences and the what-ifs and the where-to-fors apart what eventually cracks the Earth? I don't think so. Okay. Not if the I, I, end of this episode is any indication, indicator, right? One uh, that that this, I I would never call this a filler episode, but this is definitively a bridge episode. This episode is bridging us to something else that we have no idea is going on. Had and and I said this earlier. Had this episode been specifically on the surface of the crumbs of the cracked earth in the Zephyr, dealing with future Robin and constantly going back and forth the flashback forwards going back to all of that had it been what what is referred to in uh, basically sitcoms a bottle episode if we only stayed on the zephyr with these characters but going back and forth in time through robin's eyes i'm not going to say it would have been a brilliant episode 
but it would have made more sense because we're focusing on yeah. one thing. It would have been a clearer picture. There's no question. It's I agree the pacing. I agree with The you. fact that yeah. we added the you. stuff from the lighthouse with Mac yeah. and Flint and everybody yeah. else the, the derails th things. The, the other thing that's missing is the discernible note that this is not right now. That That is missing. It's missing from the episode almost outright. Stabbing an elderly woman face front on national television. Now, obviously, I don't want to beget violence to beget violence. One of the things moving a show like this back an hour on national television is the impact and availability of way more, in this case, frontal assault violence. Doesn't get more violent than, hey, look, old elderly person to the gut with blood, all of it. Right, right. And we get it here in spades. Uh, and I think that it absolutely increases the peril factor inside of what we're seeing. Uh, also, that incredibly insidious, we knew that was going to happen, but we didn't really want it to happen, feel and flavor inside of the episode. I don't want them to kill Robin, but I also don't want them to then fix everything. And now she just happens to be alive and she's sitting on a park bench again back when she was a kid when they all get back. Because then the death means nothing. And I don't want that. Uh, sorry, for me, the death meant nothing for me. I ha I felt nothing. This character has given me nothing as an old lady. The fact that they stab an old lady on this show, I, eh, it's par for the course. This is what this show is now. It's on at a later time so that we can have a more visceral experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. But personally speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm actually... Uh, I'm surprised you weren't standing up and cheering because of your bloodlust, Mike. You've well, you've been talking for episodes now. I, how how certain people? I, I'm not saying that I don't want ha, this. Have I needed just, have needed to die, die, kill, kill. I, I think that there should be more death. The peril factor goes infinitely up, and I'm not I'm not against this at all. In fact, I'm I'm telling you all that this because it's on this late is able to happen. Right. So thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to sound like, oh boy, yet another old elderly lady gets stabbed in the gut. Well, cool, I think if awesome. anybody has been listening to this show, they know that we appreciate that this show does violence, yeah. but not for violence sake. Yes. It's for the sake of the storytelling. Right, right, exactly. They don't take the knife and then twist it any outie and grab an intestine and blah. Right. Even last episode when yeah. we had the spray of blood yeah. on the wall. Yeah. Sure, very visceral, but it was important to the story. True. Not understanding May's viewpoint. Now, which May I, I, are we talking about here? Are we I'm, talking about May now or May later? I'm talking about all of it. And, and this is before the, the motherly surrogate mother insertiness of the storyline. So even if before then you don't understand what's going on, well, now you really don't understand what's going on. And I didn't care for that. It's where it's where what I'm hoping is that this is the peanut butter and jelly of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And we're going to get the bread in the next episode. That's what I'm hoping for, because this episode will take a severe turn towards a positive, in my opinion, if the bread is awaiting for us at the end of the next episode. Because, I mean, another 43 minutes. Yeah, I think another 43 minutes detailing us exactly what we've been talking about inside this episode is not only needed, but a piece of required science to try and pull this out of what could be a real tailspin episode. There is no, there are no pieces inside of this that make sense to me. This reminds me very much of, uh, imagine if you will, 
the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie, and I removed the last 11 minutes. Wouldn't you love that movie? No. Okay. Nobody would because it's the solution. <laughs> right, right. Where he describes, and I'm not kidding, on the, on the Sherlock Holmes film, I got none of that. If you'd have said, okay, okay, Inspector Wilkerson, it's time to discern what exactly happened inside of the story. Ready and go. I would have said, I think it's time for donuts. Because <laughs> I have no discernible idea what the hell we're looking at or what's happened. I have no idea. I've never gone back to review that or talk to anybody about it, but that's what that's what I thought of that movie is like, okay, why don't you watch the last 14 minutes where the last 11 minutes is the explainer section and you don't have to watch any of the rest of the movie. It doesn't make any difference at all. Well, yeah, but I, I, I totally understand that it's a big budget Hollywood movie. You you have to have that for, and I'm by far, I am not calling movie going audiences stupid. Right. But Hollywood thinks audiences are stupid. So for your big budget movies, things have to be wrapped up. And oh, I totally I get, get that. I, I, I totally get that. I, I get wrapped up, but I'm, and again, I'm referring. But it's also a Sherlock Holmes movie. Yeah. So you have to have the elementary, my dear Watson. This is how it was all done. It's, it's very similar to how Wadsworth explains how everybody was killed and who killed everybody at the end of the movie Clue. If you don't watch the last 10 minutes of that movie, you don't know what happens. Right, right. Anyway, there's a piece of that that I'm hoping we're going to get that explains not only May's viewpoint, but a lot of the other missing story pieces inside of this episode in the next episode or two. I think had they not had anything to do with what was going on in the lighthouse, take that, take that for example. Any of the scenes that were on the lighthouse with Mac, Yo-Yo, and Flint, add all of that up, let's say... 15 minutes, 15 minutes of the, let's be generous, 15 minutes of the episode. Take that out. Now replace that with more stuff relevant to Robin and our cast, both in the past and in the future. That would have been a full 43 minutes of them giving us everything that we need. That would have been the peanut butter, the jelly, and the bread. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where this episode fell short. The dreaded on-camera whisper moment. Oh, Wilkerson Iyer gets raised once more. If you guys thought terminal that, cliche. If you guys thought that I hates me a whole bunch of throwy people, <laughs> and we shan't mention. Yes, we shall. We shall mention Terminator no! Salvation. Terminator Salvation. Oh, uh, again with the salvation. The salvation of the Terminator franchise. Not. We shall mention it again because I hate it so much. Anyway, the quick oh. the quick read is this. I hate it when characters that can instantly squish, squish like grape somebody's head, pick them up by the like a cat's neck and throw them a mile. I could kill you, but I like tossing things around for a while. Hate that. Whee! The only thing I hate more, the dreaded on-camera whisper. And not every on-camera whisper, because there's another I'll give you as a satisfying moment in the other direction. Let's focus on this one for now. So what we've got is we've got May gets whispered to by elderly dying because of gut stabby stab Robin. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, there's something else going on on the screen, so you couldn't possibly understand, nor can you read the... I'm very good at reading lips. I have a deaf wife. I'm hard of hearing. So I'm excellent. I'm very, very good at reading lips. You can't discern anything that she says. So there's that. The second thing is that they don't pay it off. 
You don't ever actually get to know what she said of any kind. The one I want to refer to in the affirmative that does this, that does do the whispering, and it is fucking brilliant, is Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. Saving Private Ryan gives you a whisper moment where very shortly thereafter it is then paid through. Right. And it's paid through on top of two-hour-plus awesome movie. Yep. On top of actor portrayals. There were not enough awards that year that could have been given to the people that were showcased inside of that movie alone. On top of kick-ass soundtrack by our man John Williams. On top of you caring about every single one of those characters, regardless of how little bit of time you saw them. Matt Damon is Private Ryan inside of that movie. We saw him for a conglomerate of about eight minutes total. Yeah. But you still care. Because all these guys that got there, including the dead guys... They died trying to get this guy out. You're, you're in. You're absolutely all in. You're all of your chips to the center of the table. You're all in on that character and what happens. As are we, even though we're cons- even though we're confused inside this episode. But you get nothing. Good day, sir. <laughs> well, you and get I the ending. That. You get the ending of the episode. All right, right. Yes. You get you get the it, ending of the episode it's to where you cliffhanger. I agree with you. To where you, you know that. What she talks about is Flint. You just don't know what she said about Flint. Right. That's all you get. So it's a half payoff, which still is ridiculous. All the roaches are dead? What is this sorcery? <laughs> I, there's, no way that, there's no way that Mac, who's still here, by the way, and Flint, who's still here, by the way, and Yo-Yo have killed all the roaches? Well, we never knew how many roaches were on level yeah, three. But I'm just going to guess that there weren't five. <laughs> I, I I can't believe that. The the way that roaches work in general is that they're in mass quantity. Uh, they're called roaches because nobody wants to call them by their actual alien name. Okay. All right. Well. Nobody's ever said if, they produce like roaches. Right. But if there are five roaches, then a pox on Marvel I put. Because that's not good enough. Well, let us not forget there were a handful that were killed at the beginning of this season yeah. when our heroes were last on level three. Mm-hmm. Hell, one of those things, without without any of those weapons or inhuman powers, one of those things could kill everybody. Everybody. How are you going to fight something like that? You right. have no weapons and no inhuman, you know, shake, rattle, and roll powers? Mm-hmm. You're all dead. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that there were five... That came down from level three to, or came up, down, around to level 10, whichever direction this damn place goes, because they never make that, they never really put that out there either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm fine with it. Just one question Who's Flint? And what does next week hold is my question, uh, which I, I get is the whole point. You want to get get people to the end of the episode and then ask the postulated question and then get their asses drugged to the next episode. I get it. I, I just know that I wanted something more and I wanted more Rosetta Stone moment inside of this episode and we didn't. We definitively did not get it. And you know what? I don't know if this is like if this is a, a Nick pick, but this character was just introduced in the previous damn episode, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden he's the important character because 
what is Flint's abilities? Well, he can move rock. He can manipulate rock. What's the earth made of? So now it's not Daisy who's responsible. Now they're making it seem like Flint is responsible. But again, we haven't seen the extent of his powers because he just got them. Right. Maybe he's related to Ray from Star Wars fame, although you don't know anything about that yet. Well, you know, here's the thing. Here, here's how you solve it. If, if now Flint is the one who's responsible for destroying the Earth, don't let Flint travel back in time. How about we murder Flint? No, don't let Flint travel back in time. If you want to satisfy your bloodlust, Wilkerson, then go ahead. Turn on your quake powers and liquefy Flint. Go right ahead. The, the neat part of this series is that it provides us with so much thought that we can sit here and, and an hour and a half into our discussion, continue to dissect the pieces parts that we were given inside this episode, season five, episode eight, the last day. We're running long, so we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com What comes to mind when you hear the word horror? Is it a book you read in the dead of night that creeped you out? Is it the memories of the monsters you were sure lived under your bed? Is it a film filled with blood and gore, all thanks to a crazed killer? Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we ask the really terrifying question, What scares only on Two Guys Talking Horror. TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the voice box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. You're probably already editing your own podcast. You may be editing other people's podcasts. Ever thought of making even more money editing podcasts? EditorCore.com is looking for a few good editors to edit podcasts inside of the EditorCore.com effort. Take the experience, skills, and knowledge you've collected over the years as you edit podcasts and embiggen your wallet and or purse. It's time to start monetizing the process of editing podcasts. Make your way to EditorCore.com. Help us make podcasts soar at the EditorCore editorcore.com that's editorcore.com wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever it can with perpetual advertising here's how it works magazine radio and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once and then they're lost forever 
perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this time Season 5, Episode 8, The Last Day. Every time we come back from break, we always open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I dig into this episode deep and grab either an actor portrayal, a piece of the storyline that struck us, or something else that struck our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Well, here's the thing. If we're supposed to dig deep with our dossiers, but in this episode, the problem is, is that we can't use a shovel. The shovel, we don't know what a shovel is. Uh, we'd be using a wrench or maybe even a spatula. Maybe you can use your murderous robot to throw your dossier my way. Because... This episode is just all over the place. The, pay, the <laughs> it, it, And it was hard for me to really decide early on my, during my first viewing what my dossier was going to be. Because usually I, I have a I have a pretty good idea after watching it the first time. And sometimes I, w- I only watch the episode once. Mm-hmm. But there are times where I do watch it a, a second time. Mm-hmm. This was one of them. And during the, my first viewing, I still had no idea what I wanted to talk about for my dossier. It wasn't until halfway through my second viewing I had the aha moment. Mm. My dossier this week is filled with the science of not removing the inhibitor. Listeners may remember last week how you, Mike, just kept on going on and on. Time to remove the inhibitor. We got smart people. Time to remove the inhibitor. It's time to go to liquid quake mode. And I agree. Yes, it would be nice to see Daisy shake, rattle, and roll again. In this episode, specifically in this episode, Jim, both both Fitz and Simmons look at the technology where it's located mm-hmm. and agreed with my non-medical opinion from last last episode. Thank that, you, Dr. Nicholas. That, like I said, non-medical, Jesus. non-medical. Just because my wife is a nurse does not mean my wife is a nurse and I watch a lot of ER. And you play doctor. I get it. Whoa. Hey, sir. No. Zinga. <clears throat> Good night, everybody. The The fact that it would take a skilled surgeon and tools that they just do not Don't have. have. Right. Boom. Short scene explains it away. Now we don't have to worry about it until we get to a place that has a skilled surgeon with the right tools. Appropriate medical stuff. So right. now we just have to, or we get our, our hands on one of those nice little remotes That'll turn her back on. Mm. Fingers crossed on that. And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. That's an excellent dossier. And yet another point of positivity that we neglected inside of the episode review. 
uh, which is, again, why I like watching this show, regardless of what the outcome is for whatever the number is that we reach the end. Right. There, there's always something else to glean that we just didn't either take the time to or have enough time to address. Uh, always a ton of fun. My dossier inside of this episode is very clear, and it is filled with Fitz frustration. Mm, okay. I can remember the early days of being a parent with an autistic child, and I'm telling you, Fitz was in my boat mm. outright. It looked like they'd remove me and they put in Fitz, i.e., he's got this wonderful skill set. He's done all of this work to try and achieve X. He's He is brilliant in what he does and how he interacts with everything he chooses to put in front of him. And what he gets totally frustrated, lummoxed by to the point of violence is what he should instantly understand because it's just information that's being given to him, right? Mm. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely wrong. And so th- that that situation absolutely put me in the same shoes I was when my daughter was two and three years old where she's talking like she's watching a television. What What exactly is going on inside my daughter's brain when she's two and three years old? that we can't discern what's going on. What What is the mo- magic moment? And again, the magic moment was sitting and watching television with her where all of these phrases that she says are pieces of the interactive tapestry that she had as a television viewer. And so with that, she was able to build vocabulary. She speaks in sentences. She's a, a wonderful freshman in high school this year. And that all would be missing had I not just sat down and watched television with her for several hours on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you you were able to discover the Rosetta Stone. <clears throat> right, right. Yeah. And that's what makes this episode ultimately frustrating to the point where I am fits inside of this episode, inside of this television, inside of this podcast, because I, I don't get it. I, I, am a, I am a specific expert guru in reviewing this program. And I cannot yet wrap my mind around what it is I'm taking in. So that that absolute frustration moment where he's banging on tables and raising his voice to me and being very pointed about what's going on. I absolutely feel that inside this episode, but that is my dossier inside this episode without without question. Because it it hits so much home both for me personally, but then also inside of this episode. It was just it was a it wasn't quite that weird mirror moment where I like, wait a minute, is that me? that's absolutely what they presented and i am so hoping that that was their intent i just that's me being totally farcical i think <laughs> and wanting them to to understand what's going on anyway so we ask you what is inside of your dossier for this episode go over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv click on the right hand side fill out the contact web form and tell us what you think Ah, the rating that always awaits everyone here towards the end of an episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 on top of the world. Rosetta Stone presented. Frustrations availed. A 1. Crumbs of Earth. Let's put it that way. Crumbs Crumbs of of Earth. Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, my friend, there are... No habsies. Nick, what do you got? This was, we've gone over it enough to where I don't think we really need to reiterate, so I'm not going to draw this out. Damn it. Uh, this ep- Again, <laughs> the show is great. The thing that this episode was lacking was the correct pacing. I think that they tried to shove too much into one episode. 
one of the things I I've enjoyed about sci-fi and fantasy shows in the past, and I'll I'll bring a I'll bring one specific one up, Farscape. Mm. Farscape is an excellent example, especially in season four. There's an episode where the male characters, everybody is leaving the ship that they're on, Moya, the living, the Leviathan ship, the living ship. All the characters are leaving. The men are going off on a mental retreat to prepare themselves against the, the mental torturing of a certain enemy. The women are going off on a supply run, and the episodes split. One episode, the very next episode after they leave left the ship, we see what happens with the men. No talk about the women. We don't see what happens to them at all. It's all about the men, the male characters. Mm-hmm. The very next episode after that, we see what happened with the female characters during their supply run. And at the very end of that episode, the characters that are still around meet back up. That's what should have happened here. Okay. We should have had one episode where it was all on the cracked earth, on the Zephyr, dealing with Robin, both the here and now and the then and there. Then next week, we come back, and then we see what happened with Mac and Flint and Yo-Yo and rescuing everybody from Chrysanthemum's retribution. That's what we should have gotten, because then you're able to put enough storytelling into both sections. We talked a lot about the time travel, timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff, but let's talk about the stuff that happened on the lighthouse. Specifically with Flint. Flint dealing with everybody that he's known all of his life all of a sudden turning on him. Now, yeah, that's impactful. But all we got was this wishy-washy, well, I guess it's better to have my blood sucked out by a roach than deal with people who don't like me. Now, imagine if we had 43 minutes of Flint dealing with trying to save people who hate him. And the struggle of being a hero. Because... The end of the last episode, he was staying. He wasn't going to the surface. Yeah. I want to be a hero. I have the power to do yeah. something. Also, you guys showed me that. It also provides a, a, a skill-building moment for him in regard right. to powers. We've get, and we get two distinct perspectives of being a mentor, mm. Mac mm-hmm. and Yo-Yo, yeah. who, even though they're in a relationship, very different people. Yeah, I agree with that. Imagine a 43-minute episode of dealing with that. That would be excellent. Mm. But instead... We shoved both together, and to use a word that we've been using a lot this episode, we got lost. Mm-hmm. This is still a great show, mm-hmm. and I am not taking off points for my stupidity because I feel like I followed the episode fairly well. They just weren't painting a bright enough picture for me. Mm-hmm. So because of the off pacing and because of the the scrambling around and, and, and just having all of these juicy pieces given to us, but no picture. I got to give this episode an eight. Eight. That's extraordinarily generous for an episode. I know that I'm way more frustrated about than you are. And again, no, I, no. I may just be that, that personal outlook that I'm taking from my own personal demon slash experiences mm-hmm. that th- there's never a more frustrating moment than having all of the abilities uh, though frustratedly impacted they might be, mm. having an open mind to listen to anybody to try and discern a solution to X. If the solution is X, 
and you know that you must listen to a series of specialists and or people around you to try and figure out what's going on, you'll listen to them and you'll listen to them for, for a long time and you'll take in the information and you'll try to assimilate it as you get it to try and fit the the mosaic of the puzzle pieces. It reminds me very much of, um, I remember when they first came to computers, but do you remember those those nine-part uh, puzzles that they used to have where they'd all be mixed, but then you start scooting the nine-piece puzzle around to form a final solid picture? Yeah, 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 I know. Okay, I don't know about. what they're called, but yeah, I don't, let's yeah, call I don't them scramble puzzles for sake of yeah, the argument. Yeah, Okay, so this episode is a scramble puzzle. There's no question in my mm -hmm. mind. Right. And the problem is that you and I, and I'm guessing a lot of other people, are going to be looking at this episode, looking at the scramble puzzle, and you go, well, I don't get it. And you can even, you sit there and you move around a couple pieces, and if there's even the, only if there's nine, you move around the nine pieces, and you're like, man, I still don't get that. What is this? The problem is that the question that you ask, what is this, is to nobody. There's nobody that can give us that answer. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no oracle to go to at Marvel and go, hey, I, I'm just curious real quick. I don't get this. So, like, like, what is this scramble puzzle thing? What am I making here? We don't have that. Kind of refers back to your what's on the front of the box of the puzzle thing that you're talking about. Right. Um, the difference is that I feel like I'm in that little fixed presentation of the scramble puzzle where not only do I have to move some other pieces in place to get the picture, that's all you get. Mm. If you don't get it from all those pieces, well, you know what I did with them when I was a kid and I didn't get it or it didn't work my way? I just kind of got rid of that one and went and got another one. Right. And I don't want to do that with this program, thus it showcased my frustration with this episode. While you give it an eight, I'm going to duck down to a five on this episode. Um, seven is an average. I, I think I'm actually being generous on this one. Because I know that there's three or four points easily that I would chalk down with. And if we start from a seven, I'm at least down to a five. Um, there has to be a better way to tell this episode. Unless the next episode is a couple of pieces of luscious sourdough bread. Then we've got the peanut butter that can then somehow be saved in that sandwich. But uh, definitely a five for this episode. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode? Season five, episode eight, The Last Day. Let us know by going over to our website, that's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, inside the contact form, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you thought. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication. <laughs>